Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Episode of the Nine Light. I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and we again are back at it with another brand new episode. Has been uh, the tradition for uh, quite a few years now. We have continuously delivered you some uh, content every Friday morning, and uh, and oftentimes uh, even on Tuesdays. But due to life changes and just general reshifting of things. And priorities. The Tuesday shows are probably going to be on hold for the foreseeable future. And we're just going to continue to do these shorter Friday shows uh, as we, you know, take the time and walk ourselves through scripture, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We are working ourselves through all of the content and we are uh, engaging God's word and paying the due diligence that is needed to these verses. And we're not doing it in large chunks to where we may miss content or just have to quickly work through or glance over. We are taking our time and going verse by verse and talking about the text. And I really have enjoyed this journey with you through the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we will come up with after we complete this book. And I do think uh, we could probably do the book of Acts. I think that would be a fantastic next book because we haven't done anything like that on this show yet Uh, and acts is a great historical narrative to the early church and there's so many things that we can take from there uh, and look at how uh, especially with something like the apostles creed when we make that proclamation that we believe in one holy catholic and apostolic church this is where we get those foundations from and so i i think we're going to shift from matthew right into the book of acts but we still have many chapters left. Uh, we're only in knee-deep here into chapter 15, and uh, we've 28 chapters total in Matthew, so we have a ways to go, so we'll be here for a while, but I am okay with that. Let's dig into the material. Like I said, if we, before we get into it, I, I guess I should say, if we don't hit that 30-minute mark, I'm perfectly fine with it. Today's section is only 10 verses. We'll see how long I can ramble for, but my goal is to talk 
with the text at hand and deliver it to you in the fashion that we have been. Next week, we will take on uh, two sections. We'll look at the faith of the Canaanite woman and Jesus healing many. And then we will conclude the week after with Jesus feeding the 4,000. So this is the second time now uh, Jesus performs this miracle. And that will be verses 32 through 38, the end of the chapter. Then we'll pick up in 16, and we'll look at 16 as we move along. As I mentioned, sometimes we'll take him a couple sections at a time. Most of the time on, these, on this show, we'll look at it in just one chunk of text. Um, and the way I break it down is how the ESV has it broken by the subtitles of the, um, throughout the chapters. We're just looking at each individual instance or miracle or teaching point, parable, whatever it may be, looking at those individually as we work through. So without further ado, let's get into Matthew chapter 15, verse 10. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? And he answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you all still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. This is what defiles a person. But to eat... With unwashed hands, does not defile anyone. All right, so it's pretty straightforward text. And really, Jesus gives us a pretty good understanding of it. But we have to understand uh, a little bit more of the context surrounding this passage. And we have to uh, start to dig into why the Pharisees were so uh, advantageous about this, you know, construct of washing of hands. So if you remember last week, we talked about the Pharisees getting all upset um, about the the disciples not following through with the traditions of their fathers. And uh, this was really summarized in the uh, washing of hands. And this is why Peter makes that statement here towards the end. You know, and he says that uh, he wants him to have the parable explained because he, he's not quite seemingly making the connection here for, for himself. And so Jesus does so. He explains it. And... What it's getting at towards the end here is it's not about the washing of the hands. That has nothing to do. Now, there were dietary restrictions in the Jewish world. And so if you go back to Leviticus and you read through the establishment of all of these laws, uh, there were some dietary uh, laws given. I'm not going to dig into it too much, but one of those things were surrounding about not eating unclean foods, not eating foods of certain animals um, or certain seafood and they must wash their hands before they eat, otherwise they will become unclean. These were all ceremonial laws that were given to the Israelites. Not to say that they were terrible or bad or anyway. They were just to take them away from the pagan world that ate everything and were generally gross people. And so God wanted you know the, the cleaner of all the people. And, and so he established these rules and laws with them. And the Pharisees took that and really kind of uh, overemphasized 
those. And we talked about that last week where they, they took the commands from God and they made it into just this obscure and horrendous law that must be fulfilled no matter what comes. So as we start to get into this text, it is, you know, given to us to really start to see the separation from the Israelites to the Christian, but more importantly, that those laws that were given were not based upon one's salvation. It was not based upon one's ability to obtain salvation by living in accordance or living in obedience to these laws. They were given, like I said, to separate the Israelites from the rest of the pagan nations and around or and to drive home just kind of a standard for a way of life. And so they were, you know, well and good laws and they, you know, were established to keep the people focused on godly living. But yet, as noted, the Pharisees take those and amplified them to being just this obscure high level law that must be enforced or the Pharisees would deem the person, you know, inadequate, unclean, whatever it may be. So the Pharisees, as we talked earlier in chapter 15 here, get upset over the disciples not washing their hands. And this, in their eyes, are making the disciples unclean. But then Jesus turns here in verse 10, and he says to them and to the people, and he says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out of the mouth. And this is kind of the the biggest turning point, I think, in moving away from some of those ceremonial laws, not the Ten Commandments, but the ceremonial laws. Because what you're seeing now is Jesus def- defining what it means to be unclean. It's not what goes into the mouth, but it's what comes out of the mouth. So it doesn't matter whether you're eating dirt or pigs you know, pork. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're eating shellfish or animals with hooves or anything like that. It is what comes out of the mouth that makes that person unclean. And then Jesus will tell us here towards the end of the chapter, uh, end of this section of verses, what those uh, those instances are it, he's going to lay out for us. So let's kind of work through this here a little bit more and we'll get to that point and we'll kind of camp ourselves out on that text there. So the disciples, you know, again, are questioning and they say, do you know that the Pharisees are offended when you said that? Well, of course they are. They're offended at everything Jesus says. So this is nothing new to Christ. This is nothing new to the disciples. Even they have witnessed the the Pharisees and the scribes getting irate over the teachings and miracles of Jesus. Uh, They get irate over the sheer fact that Jesus can will tell the paraplegic your sins are forgiven and they they lose their their marbles over that because only god can forgive sin well jesus just equated himself to god by forgiving the man of his sins anywho so jesus kind of brushes it off and he says that every plant not planted by his heavenly father will be rooted up so again we go back to the parables and we see in the fields where Uh, The devil will sow in these weeds and they are to be separated and not like, you know, they'll grow up and look like the wheat, but they are not the wheat. And so the weeds, in this case, are being the Pharisees. They will be rooted up and thrown into the fire. It's a pretty blunt and harsh statement from Christ, but it basically is establishing the notion that 
the Pharisees do not believe. They do not accept Christ. They are they do not accept their own Messiah. They do not accept the, the very promises that God has given them, and therefore they will be treated just as every un, every other unbeliever will be, and that being thrown into the fire. And so we would say that as, you know, in comparison to the sower of the weeds, that these weeds are sown by the devil, and these Pharisees are those weeds. Pretty simple. And sad at the same time, because these were the religious leaders of the time. And we can even assert that that really hasn't changed much to today's time where we have people who are uh, in leadership roles and or religious leadership roles, and they are failing and have succumbed to the, the devil's tactics. Uh, they've given themselves over to Satan and they've allowed the manipulation and the what you know from from many different things whether it's money or power or fame they have surrendered themselves to the evil one and i've said it a lot a number of times on this show over the years is that you know these people seek to glorify themselves rather than glorify god and they seek to make themselves famous rather than preach christ and so we would assert in the same breath that those individuals are no different than the Pharisees in this passage, and they are the ones that will be rooted up. But that doesn't happen until the end of days, the last day, the great and awesome day of the Lord. So moving on, Jesus says, let them alone. He says, they are blind guides, and the blind lead the blind, and they will both fall into the pit. So Jesus is basically saying, let them do what they're going to do. Let let them operate as they're going to operate, and they will dis- lead the deceitful, and they will lead those into, um, you know, into the pit. They they don't understand faith. They have not been given faith, and they've rejected Christ, and so they claim to know the Messiah, but they don't truly know Him. And that's the same thing with today's marker, right, of the church that there are many who use God's word and preach from God's word, and I say this very blandly here, but they don't actually preach Christ and they don't know who Jesus is. They just cherry pick text that sounds good. Uh, the health and wealth prosperity preachers are, are big in this category where they will twist, manipulate, and, and distort the text to fit their ideology and to fit what they're you know, peddling to the congregation. So Jesus simply says, let them be alone. Let them do what they're going to do. Now, we should obviously expose them. We should warn people against them, and we should call light to it. But they are going to continue to do what they're going to do. Joel Osteen has been called out as a false teacher uh, countless times by by countless Christians on social media and across all different platforms. People have even gone into his services and have stood up and tried to protest. Um, funny enough, he gets a, they get arrested and escorted out of the building, and he's always confronted and never um, can he never answers for his you know his accusers. He just simply moves on with that cheesy, terrible smile that he's got on and slapped on his face. But anyway, these people are going to do what they've always done. They're just going to continue operating because that's the ploy of Satan to continue to try and deceive as many people. 
And so Peter goes, well, then explain this to us. And Jesus says, well, do you still not understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth is going to go into the stomach and then it's expelled? You, you, you go to the bathroom and it comes out. Now, yes, some of the food that you eat is absorbed into the body and it's used as nutrients and it converts, you know, proteins into muscle fibers and um, the carbs and the fats that we eat is converted into energy for the cells in our body. And so, yes, all of that stuff um, is is utilized and is good, but at the end of the day, the food that we eat is often expelled, you know, whatever the body cannot process. And so... Jesus is basically telling you that <clears throat> it's not the food that comes in, it's it's what comes out of the mouth. And it's not like a, a vomit or or a regurgitation of such. It's the words that we speak. It's the actions that we do. Um, because Jesus says it's not that it's not what we eat, it's what comes from the mouth, because that is actually coming out of the heart. It's not, you know, something that uh, it, the the Pork that you eat is not going to make you unclean and make you commit adultery. It's the desires of your heart. It's the sin in your veins that are going to cause you to commit these actions. And so Jesus turns around and he says, but it's from the heart that the evil thoughts, the murder, the adultery, the sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander all come from. Remember way back when we looked at the Sermon on the Mount and we talked through the section on on murder and Jesus says you've heard it heard it before that you thou shalt not murder and then Jesus goes on and he says but if you've called your brother a fool you have committed murder so if you have anger in your heart you're committing murder towards somebody and so that's how you know your your heart's not the one committing the murder but it's from the heart that these passions come and it's from the heart that you are sinning. And so it's from that, which is what Jesus is warning us. This is what defile a person, these actions. So the uh, eating without washing hands just probably makes your food dirty and gross, right? You're just going to eat some extra germs if you, if you haven't washed your hands. And Jesus says that's not what defiles the person. It is these actions. It's what the person says and does. It's what comes out of that heart. And so it's pretty simple and straightforward text. You know, there's we, we could break down the evil thoughts, the murder, the adultery, all of that stuff, you know, is harbored in the individual. It comes from, you know, their sinful desires. And, uh, you know, whether it's evil thoughts, it could be, could lead into murder, could lead into adultery, could lead to anger, could be just simply... Uh, rejecting of God's message. It could be the accepting of a false gospel or a false message or Satan's lies. Uh, so the evil thoughts can be a broad thing. Uh, murder, obviously, we just talked about uh, anger fulfilling that. Uh, adultery, uh, go back to the Sermon on the Mount as well. We have Jesus warning against uh, lustful desires or the eyes. And so this is how one can commit adultery by simply looking upon another person with lustful intent. So that comes from the heart. Sexual immorality would fall into the, the major categories of uh, anything that's not commanded in the marriage bedroom. This is um, porn addictions, adultery, um, any sort of uh, 
actions committed with a same sex uh, would fall into this category as well, sexual immorality. Basically, it's a pretty broad term to encompass all actions that are not what God has commanded for the marriage bedroom between a man and a woman. And uh, I'm not going to get into it too deep, but there's a, a lot that can be said on this, especially in today's culture where people want to argue that it's okay to be gay and it's okay to do these things. But the Bible's pretty strict that marriage is between a man and a woman and God gives only promises to men and women to be fruitful and multiply. That is how the gospel continues to spread to the next generation because um, you know, if one is gay, then they have no ability to procreate with the same sex. It doesn't work like that. And so God calls that an abomination. That hasn't changed from the times of the Old Testament to today. It is still an abomination for God. And so those characters, those who commit the sin, those who act upon the sin are the ones that are included in the sexual morality. Now, I know I've got some friends who have come out of those communities and struggle still with that desire, but they're not committing those actions. And, you know, we're sinful creatures through and through. So it, whether we, we have this addiction or that addiction or this sin or that sin, we're all committing sin. But the sexual morality and the adultery, those are committed actions. Now, you can break the adultery by simply looking upon another person with lustful intent. Yes, you can commit murder by simply being angry with your brother. Yes, you can commit sexual morality by being lustful towards somebody else and not even having to act upon that yet. So there's two levels. There's the desire for and then there's the action of. Both are sinful. And at the end of the day, it, we're, we're all in need of a savior. So there is a difference, I believe, between the, the mind being a terrible place and the heart being deceitful and leading one to, to think of these actions or to desire these actions. But then it's certainly another thing to actually commit the actions. You can certainly take your thoughts and render them captive to Christ and, and surrender them up and, and say, I need to be cleansed of these thoughts and continuously pray until you have overcome those. But the action itself has far deeper consequences because it's not only are you committing cosmic treason against God, but you are hurting many people in your own personal life. Theft, false witness, slander, again, things that are um, sinful in nature. Theft can be um, coveting even. We could uh, argue that this is the desires to have something that isn't yours. Uh, theft is broken into those two categories, false witness and slander. You know, attributing something to somebody that isn't from them or, you know, making up lies, slandering them, saying foul and evil things goes back to the evil thoughts. So, again, all of these things come from the heart. This is what defiles the person. So... Pretty simple, straightforward text. You know, we, we, we won't go much longer than the next few minutes here, but this is a very basic text. And, and I, but I think there's some depth to it that Jesus gives us. And it's not solely focusing around, you know, what goes into the mouth, but it's what comes out. And that is how Jesus corrects his disciples' view of the traditions 
of the Pharisees and the fathers. So that's uh, really all I've got for you on today's episode. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, Next week, we'll pick up with the faith of the Canaanite woman, and we'll talk pretty deep about that. And uh, we'll go on every week until the end of, um, you know, until the end of the Bible, I guess. And then we'll see what happens from there. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great week. It is Friday, so make sure you are in church on Sunday. I hope you can partake in sacraments if you are able to. And um, continue to hear the promises of God that your sins are forgiven. Until next week. Hold on to that. Hold on to that promise because I'll tell you it again next week. And I pray that you guys have a blessed day. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.